I will be reading from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 32. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in this field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers. Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard, of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'll move this over just a titch. Carefully. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm Reverend Robin Clardy. I am a colleague uh, with your dear Pastor Jason in the Presbytery. Uh, I've also had the honor of working alongside of Marilyn Mo Moore and Pat Mosley and, and Nathan. Um, and at times with Pia. So um, it, at some point it sort of feels like I'm coming home uh, having uh, good relationships with a number of people here. Um, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, as you have poured out your Holy Spirit upon us this morning, we have had a bountiful time of worship and hearing the word. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you. Our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So the Gospel of Matthew was written at a time of great unrest. It's written to a Jewish audience. The writer of the Gospel main concern is to establish Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. It is important, this message, this parable that uh, Matthew has given to us, because the Jewish population is living under a Roman oppression. 
The Roman government has come and conquered the land and the people are there. The poorest of poor, the neediest of needs are there. The people who are needing justice. They're in a society where they are beaten down. And we know that the Jews have been waiting for that one to come, to lift them up out of that political oppression. They were looking for a political savior. And into this, this time, Jesus comes. And what we're going to hear in this passage is a, a struggle of kingdoms. There are kingdoms that are warring, not unlike what we are experiencing today in many different ways. But the Roman government, the royal imperial government, is the kingdom of power when it comes to politics. We know that Jesus comes, when Jesus speaks, Jesus uses the language of the people. And Jesus uses parables to communicate a greater truth. And in this community, he is talking to a people who are people of the land. The Jews have always been the people of the land, right? They've always fought for the land. And this is a time where they are working as as farmers. They themselves probably owned the land at which at one point, and now through the Roman occupation, they probably are tending the land for somebody else. And the, the Jewish people are highly taxed. They are working poor. They are servants. And the other part of this context is we have the destruction of the temple. This is the second temple, and it is being either the timing is right before the destruction of the temple or right after. So we have this layer upon layer of things that are happening to the audience that, Jewish, that Jesus is talking to. So they are conquered people. The, the things of their faith are all being destructed, are being destroyed. And if you can imagine a people that are trying to figure out who they are in that, that context, or any one of us, if we have the, the tools of our faith taken away or in a, a sense of being confused, and, and you've got your land that is no longer your land with people telling you what you're supposed to do, and how you're supposed to act. There's a lot of confusion happening. And they are living day to day, a, subsist a subsistence living. And Jesus understands this, right? Jesus walks day and night with the people he has come to save. So he talks in parables. To those who have ears to hear, let them hear. To those who have eyes to see, let them see. 
let their hearts be open. And so he talks in parables, and he invites the people to think, to question, and to seek. Now, we live in the 21st century, and we are always invited in some way to to think or to question or to seek. But Jesus is, is inviting people to do something radical. With the Roman occupation, you are not to think. You are not to question. You're not to seek. You are just to obey. And these people of faith are also Jewish believers who come through generations and generations of what they are to seek and what they are to think, how they are to behave, what they are to do. And Jesus walks into this and in a sort of way, in this parable, we'll know of a different parable, he turns over the tables because he's saying, no, I want you to think with me. Because if, you're, if Jesus is talking in parables, you have to think. So he's talking about a landowner, right? We know the parable. The landowner comes to, to sow good seeds. So think with me about a landowner. This person could be, well, in the parable, this, per, this person actually has slaves. But if we think about people working the land, they have to go out before and they have to till the land. But before they till the land, they have to get rid of all the rocks. And in this time, there's rocks everywhere. And for any of you who live in Fullerton, we are, we, I live in, Fuller, we live in Fullerton. Fullerton is a floodplain. So I'm a gardener from way back when. So if you know this, the earth will push up rocks. And I will find rocks that I have never seen before. I'm like, where did this come from? This is true back in the first century. So farmers had to go out into their fields and pull up these rocks. They had to pull up the weeds. They had to till the soil to prepare it for seed. Now, the farmers aren't going to go out and get mediocre seed. I do not go to the 99-cent store to get seed because I'm going to get 99-cent worth of plants, right? I want to get good seed because I want to have a good crop. So I, I go to good places to get seed. So the farmer, the landowner, goes to get good seed. And if you are a, a, a farmer that doesn't have slaves, you for sure need to get good, sleeves, uh, good seed, just like this landowner, because if you don't get good seed, you don't get a good crop. And what happens if you don't get a good crop? You don't get a good return. And if you don't get a good return, how are you going to live? It's a, it's a, it's a terrible cycle. And you have to have a good crop because you get taxed on it. So you only get a portion of it anyway. So it's very important that you get good seed. So the parable is that the landowner goes and gets good seed, good seed. Parable also says that in the midst of that seed, when it starts to grow up, the slaves realize, 
and find bad seed. Now, if you go back into the first century and you, you do some study, it's, it's called darnel. It is actually a toxic seed. And if you eat a lot of it, you can actually die. It's poisonous. And it was illegal to plant it. Now, I have not found out why it was even there, how it came to be, but it was called false seed. The problem is it looked just like wheat seed. It looked just like wheat seed. And it wasn't until it started to bear fruit that someone would know there was a difference because good wheat has a heavy ear and when it gets mature, it falls over. This false seed, this toxic seed, when it grows up, it grows straight. So think about this. The seed looks exactly the same when it's planted, but it's not until it bears fruit that it's different, and it's known for what it is. And there's also some uh, interesting history that farmers would go and they would plant good seed, and sometimes neighbors would come along and plant bad seed into a neighbor's field. So Jesus knows the context of all of this. And Jesus uses something that is important to them about good seed. Now we've heard a lot about good seed and bad seed and, and those who are faithful and those who are not faithful. I want to have us think maybe the good seed is, is the, the seeds of the kingdom. Jesus is planting good seeds as Jesus goes. We know Jesus is telling the people over and over again really what the law is all about, the law of love. So Jesus is out there doing that, being radical all over the place but into the good seeds of the kingdom that Jesus is planting. The context also is that there is a Roman government planting bad seed. Because the Roman government is planting seeds of oppression and injustice, of slavery, of a way where people can never get ahead that your lands are taken from you. And over and over and over again, year after year, the same crop comes up that the Roman government is planting. And into this context, Jesus is trying to say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's talking to the Jewish believers and saying, you need to wake up and realize that kingdom, the Roman government, the imperial government, they are saying they are the kingdom. You are to worship that king. And so there's a clashing of kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven, and then there's the political kingdom. Not unlike what we see today. Not unlike. We, we understand with Scripture. Scripture is alive and living. 
and it speaks to us today. And, it, and this passage speaks to us today because we are in a political strife of kingdoms. And the message that Jesus says to this people is the message Jesus says to us that our allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven, not to any political kingdom. I'm not giving you a political, I'm, I'm not up here saying vote one way or another. That's not the message. The message is whose kingdom are you part of? You're the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus is your king. We sang about it, don't give your soul to another. That's exactly what this message is. So Jesus is saying to the Jewish believers first, think, think, question. It's dangerous, it's dangerous to be a Christian at this point because they're going to be persecuted for their belief because they refuse to, to say that Caesar is the king because Jesus is the king. But it's an awakening to the, these Jewish believers because remember, they're also looking for a political savior. And Jesus comes clothed in a whole different way of being. So we have that clash. We have the clash of the, the kingdoms there. And we think about these people. They, in their context, they have been waiting for the long-awaited Savior, the Messiah, the, uh, the anointed one. And we can hear them saying, but God, how long do we have to hold on? How long do we have to live under this Roman oppression? How long will it be before we get our lands back? How long do we have to work for someone else's gain? How long do we have to live in injustice? How long will it be where, when we are free to, to worship our God? So that, that is part of the context of Jesus, what Jesus is saying. So Jesus, as the landowner, is coming in, and he's planting seeds of the kingdom. And if we understand what the seeds of the kingdom are, I think of Luke in the, the Gospel of Luke, because what did Jesus do when he went into the temple and he unrolled the, the, the uh, scroll of Isaiah, right? Those are the, the seeds of the kingdom. Because Jesus is saying that when the kingdom of heaven comes, the prisoners are set free. The brokenhearted are comforted. The poor are brought good news. Hope is given to those in despair. That things that have been devastated, that the ruins will be rebuilt that the riches will be restored and that robbery will be stopped. So that was Jesus' mission when he came to this earth to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth and those are the seeds of the kingdom. 
And those come against, those clash against what the Roman government was doing. So we have this intersection of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. And this is exactly what's happening today. Kingdom clashes. And Jesus knows that Jesus needs to stay his course because that's why Jesus came to this earth. And Jesus does not lose heart. Jesus knows what his mission is. And his mission is to sow the seeds of the kingdom. And in doing so, he doesn't lose heart, even though the tares, the false weed, the, the, noxic, and the uh, toxic seeds are being put into the ground. The lies, the half-truths. Because Jesus doesn't lose hope because he has, he has hope in the good seed. Because he knows from where he comes and he knows his mission and he's very clear. So as long as he has his eyes on the mission of God, he does not lose hope. But that's not the end of this gospel lesson. Because then he goes on to not talk about the seeds, but he goes on to talk about one seed, right? If you can take one little seed. One seed. And we know about that, the mustard seed, because we hear it from, from other, you know, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. But this time, Jesus says something different about the mustard seed. He talks about the one who plants the one seed. And the, the smallest seed, truth be known, it's not the smallest seed, but what it is is it's talking about it's just, you just need a small seed. And it grows up. And whether it grows up like a big bush or a big tree, if it's about giving shelter and that the birds can go into it, that is what we've been taught about this one seed. That the kingdom of heaven is like this one seed. And yet, part of the context, once again, is the clashing of kingdoms. Jesus is being radical and he's stepping into places he's not invited. He's stepping into the kingdom that the Pharisees have. Because the Pharisees are trying to, to keep things together being the religious leaders and the temple being destroyed, what are, what's going to happen to the priestly hierarchy? Talk about identity crisis. They're trying to, to pull in the Jewish believers, and they're doubling down because they want them to stay their course. They want these believers to stay with have been taught down through the generations. And into this context, Jesus says, but the kingdom of heaven is not like what you have taught. The kingdom of heaven is alive and living, like a mustard seed that when you put it in the ground, it grows. The Pharisees believed that the kingdom of God was static, 
that it was already all formed. Everything was nice and neat, and it was as it was in the law. So the Pharisees being the one who taught the law, they were the ones in power. They were the ones who told the Jews what to do, how to behave, what to believe. And that was true down through the ages because that's what God needed for the Jewish nation to survive. But the Messiah has come now, and he has to tell these Jewish believers, the time has now come to change. And into this belief that the Jews had that the kingdom of God was static, Jesus is saying, no, the, the kingdom of God is living. And Jesus is inviting the Jewish believers to now be part of the building of the kingdom of heaven. If the kingdom of heaven, the seeds of the kingdom, are those things that are in Isaiah 61, that means things have to change. That things are going to be different. And King, a kingdom will have to, to be given up. So he's saying to these Jewish believers, no, it's not the kingdom as you once understood that you were taught, that the, the Pharisees continue to try to gather you in. There's a new kingdom. Because Jesus has come, God in flesh, standing with them and saying, no, this will not be. This is not the way it is from this point forward. I want you to come because the kingdom of God is expanding. It is ever-changing. It is growing. And if that was not true, we would not be here today. We would not be here today if we didn't expand the kingdom. We are expanders of the kingdom. We are co-creators with the God of the universe on the things that are the seeds of the kingdom. That God invites us to partner with God to bring the good news to the poor. And this is part of what you are doing as Community Presbyterian Church of La Mirada. You are partnering with God in the things of the kingdom. We heard some of it today. And all of these things on the back of your bulletin, these things are extending the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. You are doing the work. You are partnering with Jesus to do what God was having Jesus say in the first century that was so radical. So today, what the invitation to you, good folk of Community Presbyterian Church of La Mirada, is what are the seeds that God is planting in you? 
Where are the places in your community that God is asking you to partner with God to extend the kingdom of God? How will the desires of the heart of God be lived out in you? Your, your belief statement on your website saying, what is a church? And I, I, I'm just going to take a, a moment. This is what the church is based on your belief and how you're living it out. We believe in a universal church, a, spiritual, a living spiritual body in which Christ is the head and all regenerated persons are members. We believe in the local church consisting of company of believers in Jesus Christ who have a credible profession of faith, who are associated in worship and in work and in fellowship, right? We believe in the calling of the church is to be the very present of, presence of Christ in the midst of the world. To fully, uh, to most fully in the corporate expression of God's life that is the church. So you, in your very statement of what you believe is the church, is the work of Christ out into the community. What will that look like? Where are the new places? Where are the growing edges that God is, is inviting you into? So the visual today is what are the seeds that are within you this day? Where is God taking you? Because remember, the kingdom of God is expanding. It is ever-changing. It is growing. So it's not what you've always done or what you're doing now, but is where is the Holy Spirit leading you? I want to leave you with something that a 16th century Spanish saint said. St. Teresa of Avila. She said, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, yours are the body. Christ has no body now but yours. Christ has no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Christ has no eyes with which he looks with compassion on the world. Christ has no body but yours Community Presbyterian Church of La Mirada, but yours, here, now, and forever. Amen.